Let's do this, Blake and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy hump day to you. And we're just getting closer and closer to the weekend. Another weekend of football. Titans on noon against the Kansas City Chiefs. We were having a big discussion in the green room. That's a room where we all kind of hang out before we come in and do the shows. And The Chiefs are such an interesting team, Blaine, because people are looking at the Chiefs this year and they're like, oh, they don't do this very well and they don't do this very well. And they're not as good as this. They turn the they actually turn the ball over a lot. All these things and oh, their defense is very good. Their defense is really not good, and it's really not good against the run. And 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 Mr. Rain on the parade wet blanket, <laughs> Blaine Bishop was like, "Remember the last time they came here and they couldn't stop the run? What did they do that day? They stopped they the run, stopped but they the still, run. you know the Titans still beat them, and they did. And I predicted that they would that game because Mahomes was coming back from a dislocated kneecap, <sighs> uh, but they were able to contain Henry." Unbeknown to us, you know, they had some, you know, <laughs> some guys missing, just like kind of this game. I so I don't know who's gonna be available, but you know, the NFL is so unpredictable. It's about who's available, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, when do you come together in jail at the right moment? And right now, they're a little fractured with some injuries there on defense, and then Mahomes is forcing the issue and is being very impatient and throwing more picks than he's had at any moment uh, in his career as a starter uh, to this point. So, you know, you hopefully that continues, but. For whatever reason, you never know. They may wake up and all of a sudden do great in run defense. Mahomes is all back to the Mahomes of old. Uh, and, uh, you know, he do, does really well. So, NFL, everybody's right there in the middle. And that's what makes me nervous because somebody could have a big day. Henry could have another big day. Or all of a sudden, does he slow down? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, in one game. Because he played the entire game pretty much the last game. Uh, with no backup. No backup uh, in the last game. Last game came in maybe a handful of plays. Yeah. Uh, and that that was it. You know, because McNichols couldn't go, I think, from the ankle injury mm-hmm. he suffered from the last game. So, very unpredictable. There are no for sures to me in the National Football League, uh, even if you're playing the Detroit Lions. It's just, it's just not. It's, uh, you can say, oh, if the Titans play like they did against the Bill, well, why did they just now play like they played against the Bills? So you're talking about what the fans always call about is the inconsistency. Why do they play up to competition? Why do they pay down? Well, will they can they reproduce the energy that they had on Monday night? Oh, by the way, you get one less day of rest. Mm-hmm. Now, they are flying in, but that's not a long flight from Kansas City. Now, Yeah, see, so, you know, the advantage is still to them. Uh, so you just never know. It, it, nothing's a gimme. Nothing. In the National Football League, is a game. It's, it's it's too hard. And who's available? You know, that's always into play. Who's available? Uh, with with injuries all over the place on both sides. You know, both teams. Titans are so beat up at cornerback. They signed Greg Maben, who had been here before, and he's been on Arizona's practice squad. He is back. They signed him straight to the active roster uh, off of Arizona's practice squad. They signed an offensive lineman too, Bobby Hart from Buffalo's practice squad. Um, um, even if you had all your cornerbacks healthy, the Chiefs just have to worry you to death just because. Man, they, they're going to throw it around the yard. I know everywhere. Andy Reid. I mean, he, he, he wants to throw it more than he wants to run it. I mean, seriously. For people they, who I don't mean, know, you, you played for the man. Uh, yeah, you know him. Yeah, I mean, we were in Philly. We were 13-3. and three. They were pissed. I mean, and he, he would throw. He felt like a sharp pass to Westbrook or uh, at the time, uh, you know, Dorsey Levins. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, was a uh, you know from the Packers you know was a was a, a run play, so that's his philosophy and mindset. So they're going to continue that, and that can sometimes get you in a little bit of trouble 
against uh, elite defenses, let's say that. Uh, so he wants to hit the home run. He likes to splash. Uh, so And he has a quarterback to do it. So I, I get it, but sometimes you have to be patient and run the football. And, then, you know, the starting running back is injured. So where are they that, uh, with that? Uh, do they get a replacement that uh, he wants to give the ball to? Uh, maybe 20 times or 20 touches a game. But when you got Tariq Hill and Hardiman and all these guys that are like track stars out there, man, making DB silly. And, oh, by the way, you look at the Titans DBs and you go, well, man, they they got a couple guys down. You go, uh-oh, we're going to throw even more this game. That's what I'd be thinking. They go, oh, man, if their pass rush does what they did last game, well, that was probably the first time the pass rush looked like that. Mm-hmm. So do we think that'll happen again? And, oh, by the way, you know, and that was with, you know, basically one and a half leg of Bud Dupree. Yep. Uh, and will he, how will he be in a, you know, sharp rest? Will he be on a pitch count? Julio Jones, can he stay healthy? Can he stay out there on the fourth quarter? You say, oh, yeah, we got Westbrook Aquino. I get, I get it. He's doing a solid job, and that's his role, and that's what he's supposed to do. But he's not Julio Jones. Sorry. He's not, he's not half of Julio Jones on Julio Jones's worst day. Yeah. And by the way, if he's just out there in a stance, Julio Jones is a threat. Yeah. Period. Because of the reputation, and he deserves that. Uh, So I'm interested to see, can they continue to put the pieces together and do it consistently, game in and game out, especially that kind of injury? Oh, well, you know, LaJuan may be out. And people say, well, well, we played most of the game, you know. Well, yeah, but it depends on who you're playing in the matchups. Mm Mm-hmm. We shall see. I'm hoping they do, though. And I'm hoping the fans are rocking. The crowd is, is pumped up. They're going to need it. This You mentioned the Chiefs and, and Andy Reid's philosophy on running the ball. I got, I got curious. The Chiefs as a team are 154 rushes for 750 yards. That's as a team. And the number two rusher on the team is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> see, He's the number two oh, rusher. So we didn't know we were going to talk about this. That's, yeah, I mean. So Derrick Henry, as a human being, one person, is 162 carries and 783 yards. He is he is more carries and more yards than the Chiefs. And that tells you the philosophy of the two teams. Well, they're totally different. Yeah, right. yeah, and in this game, Woo. you want to continue that because you want to keep it away from Mahomes, right? Have to. Have to. Right. Spagnola was my safeties coach when I was in Philly. He is the D.C. The year they won the Super Bowl is the year that we beat them here yep. in Tennessee. Guess what, remember? Their defense was in flux all the way until they got to the Titans game. Now, that was a little bit later uh, in the season. I think I want to, if I was guessing, like 10th game of the season, 10th week or somewhere around there. And all of a sudden, they went on a run from that point on. Their defense finally figured it out and put it together, and they went on a run and won the Super Bowl. So I don't want this to be that game where they put it together. And I know Chris Jones, I know he's been injured. He is an elite D tackle. We keep talking about Jeffrey Simmons in that manner. He is not there yet. We need to stop that. He is not there. He did a heck of a play on goal line, and he, he's great against the run. He still hasn't. He had a sack. Mm-hmm. He's gradually getting there. We're putting a cart before the horse, and that's how you set up a, a player for failure when, with expectations. I get it. He was a first-round pick coming off. Of me, but that doesn't, I mean, man, Chris Jones is a better defensive tackle than Simmons. That's 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 a fact. Go watch him. So until Simmons impacts the game as a pass rusher, 
let alone a run stuffer, because he definitely is that, and he definitely has the motor. See him making plays down the field. Needs to take that next step. And then uh, no one wants to hear about doubles in your D tackle. They're doubling Aaron Donald. So stop saying he's Aaron Donald. There's only one of this guy. He's not that guy. He's not probably going to be another guy like that. I, I have some bad news for you, too. He returned to practice today. Who? Chris, Chris Jones. Uh-oh. You see? saw that. And that guy's, man. <laughs> he he's calls he causes problems in there now. Six six two ninety eight. That's a huge human. Yeah, he's he, in a lot of space. Can, long yeah. arms. Yeah, long arms. It crushed a passer, yeah. and that's why I say that about. Ru- uh, I was gonna say Russell Simmons. <laughs> Jeff Simmons. <laughs> that Jeff <death> Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Simmons. Because does he look like some of the elite? And now Aaron Donald doesn't either. By the way, no, he, he looks like a middle linebacker. He does. He does. If you go watch his workouts, oh. Ma, go check out his IG. As much as people, and let's just say this, because you mentioned Aaron Donald. As much as we're all in awe of Derrick Henry and something freaky happens every week, that's been Aaron Donald for like five years yeah. at his position. Yeah. yeah, It's not even real what he does at his position. And yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty remarkable. But uh, hopefully Henry can keep carrying the team. I mean, I just don't know if we think that we – I know he's a cyborg – but at some point, he has to slow a smidgen or somebody's going to make Tannehill win the game. Uh, so that that you just don't know when that could happen. That was your question there. about Tannehill going into the season, though. We yep. kept talking about this. and it's, He's done it's, in the regular season, yep. and he do it in the playoffs. I've said that for the last two years. If somebody says, okay, we're just stopping the king, 17, you have to beat us. And that's, Can he throw it 40 times yeah. and, beat, and beat an elite team? Yeah. And that's what happens when you get in the playoffs. Right. They're Everybody's late. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they have corners. And then that's where, mind you, that's where Julio Jones will then really show his impact. I believe that. I really believe that. I don't know if he can equate to getting us another regular season win. You would think he could. But the playoffs, I would dare the Ravens go one-on-one with A.J. Brown healthy in, this, in a flow and Julio Jones in a flow four games in, you know, that they're playing at a high level. That's, that's tough for any defense. Yeah, that's that's what that's supposed to be happening. Just haven't seen it. Hey, Kevin is on the line. Real quick, let's get uh, Kevin in here on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, how you doing, sir? Yeah, great. Doing great. I just want to know, do y'all think if Ray Lewis was still playing, do you think the King could run over him? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, you're probably asking the wrong guy. Uh Hey, I, Ray Lewis is a Hall of Fame player and a great player, uh, but he's been run over before by numerous people, uh, so it's not like he was Superman out there. Uh, so, yeah, I do. I think Derrick Henry, yeah, I think he could. But could Ray Lewis also do a good hit on him too? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you're talking to a guy who Lorenzo Neal told us he was going to run right through Ray Lewis's chest, mm-hmm. and he did and ran him over and rolled him up like he was a piece of carpet. So don't – just remember, everybody gets got in the National Football League, myself included, any great elite player, Dion to Rod Woodson in my era to any of the great running back, Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman. I mean, go down the list. They've all gotten got. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers throws interceptions, right? Yeah. Well, he's elite. Right? Mahomes, we see he – 14 interceptions or something, whatever number he's at. 
Yeah, he's got 18 TDs, eight picks. Eight picks. Yeah. Tied for second in the league with Trevor Lawrence. See? So, the, you know, they are elite, but they make mistakes too, and they get got. That, sorry, that happens. That's why it's unpredictable. Those numbers just tell you it's unpredictable. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the Henry can get anybody. He can run over anybody. But Ray Lewis also can get a big-time hit. As we saw, even when Ray Lewis was playing, and Eddie George got him back. Two years later, or whatever you want to say, if he got him back, he got still him. Lost it. We, we still lost the game. <laughs> it didn't make me feel any better about it, but I'm sure it helped his ego out. So, yeah, you can get God in this league. Guys are the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Remember, I talked about the one-on-one matchups. As long as you win more than they do. That's it. And you win. You win. Everybody think that way. Let me win seven out of my ten. We win. We win. Because the guys are too good. You can't think you're going to play a perfect game. It's impossible. Trust me, I tried it every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It didn't happen, ever. But guess what? It didn't destroy me. It made me say, okay, let me continue to strive for perfection, knowing in reality nothing is perfect the same way as in life. Life lessons from the hitman. Can't top that. All right, we got to go then. I'm just letting it. That's just let that simmer with you. <laughs> life lessons from the hitman. Uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with a lawsuit and Jeremy Pruitt and naming Rick Barnes and everybody else. We are going to find out what's going on next. John Bryce joins us from Football Scoop with all the latest on this and everything in college football. Even though nobody's playing right now, it is crazy in college football. We got John Bryce next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Uh, our man John Bryce from Football Scoop is on with us. John, people seeing this news today. By the way, how in the world are you, Bryce? How's the world treating you? Let, let's let's dispense with the – let's don't dispense with the pleasantries. How are you? I'm great, man. I get to visit with you and Blaine, two of my uh, favorite radio personalities, and I've been visiting with you guys on – Different time, uh, time slots for I don't even know how many years now. Closing mm. in on a decade, I believe. And so um, I love any chance to um, torture the denizens of the Music City with my voice. So. <laughs> we need to just put a ring on it. We've been dating you this long, so we may need to make this official somehow. Um, you didn't happen to take a I'm lot. Exclusive. I'm, I, I, I'm exclusive. I consider myself in an exclusive <laughs> Nashville relationship with you. <laughs> hey, you didn't take a bottle of mustard and go to a football game on Saturday night, did you? No, I've uh, I've wondered about that. I've tried to think about the uh, oddest thing that I've taken to a to a football game or a concert or a major league game or what have you, and um, must no mustard, not even a one. So I don't I don't really know. Um, I, I don't know what I have that can compare with that. Um, our buddy Mike Wilson thinks it may have been a flask that someone dumped out all mustard and filled it with something else. Uh, you know, just. Uh, uh, Lucas says he's got a theory. Well, it's, I, my theory is somebody ran into the concessions, grabbed the bottle of mustard, and then sprinted back out into the stands. Because I was in the game, and yeah. they saw a lot of bottle of mustards lying around in the concession. So, bottle of mustard. To me, that's the most. Uh, oh, so they don't do, they don't use the canister? I, yeah, the no, giant I, I agree thing. with you, but I Puppy. got a hot dog at the game, and I put mustard on it with a, a bottle, bottle of mustard. I don't know if it was the yeah. bottle that got thrown, but I know there were bottles <laughs> in there. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree with Lucas more so because um, – you know, you're going to be able to sneak in many bottles easier than you could sneak in a French's bottle converted flat. Uh, <laughs> I agree. So, you know, mustard in your whiskey. That's yeah. a bold move, Cotton. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, all right, so let's get to this. 
Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer has basically sent over a letter naming just about everybody and alleging some type of heinous behavior on the part of them in an effort to get his money from Tennessee. What all do you know, and what do you think is the end game for this? Yeah, great question, uh, Mickey. I appreciate that. First of all, I would say this has been months in the coming. Uh, I was told uh, literally within the last 10 days uh, by some people on that staff a year ago, like, I'm telling you, Jeremy's not playing. He's preparing his defense. They need to settle. Um, And so for all the names that were uh, listed in that salvo, I don't think Jeremy wanted it to get to that point. Jeremy, first of all, let's make it clear, has no one to blame but himself for the way things went down. And he's an adult, and he needs to take responsibility for his actions. But that does not mean that um, this is good for Tennessee or that this would not be – uh, potentially really damaging for Tennessee. And, and for as many names that were in that letter, the people I've talked to, including today, indicate that's not all the names that could be um, thrown out there into the public arena if this thing proceeds forward. So that, that's kind of what I know right now. It's been literally being discussed since January when he was let go that Tennessee better find a way to settle, come to the settlement table, do something, or Jeremy intended to fight. Do you think at some – I mean, I think we've always thought at some point there'd be some settlement for something. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, here, here's the other side of that coin. I've talked with boosters that, that know that Tennessee has had conversations before this letter was published or, or became public. I, I know people had conversations on behalf of the University of Tennessee about potentially settling with Jeremy Pruitt now. I know when those when the first round of calls went out to people, they were not very well received, and people were frustrated. They were embarrassed, uh, and Tennessee was coming off a atrocious three and seven season, so nobody wanted to give Jeremy Pruitt any money at that time uh, for all of those reasons. But it's something that that Tennessee has looked at doing is settling with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, and again, you had Dondi Plowman say so emphatically, "We will not be settling with Jeremy Pruitt, or he's fired with cause." Um, for all these violations. That means no buyout. Um, I think that she was trying to take a hard-line stance, and I understand completely why she did it, but she also made a a really mad, wounded animal, so to speak, become that much more uh, aggressive in defense of himself. And I don't think it's any secret that Jeremy Pruitt wants to coach at the college level again. And uh, without a settlement and, and some of this stuff occurring Away from public eyes, I think Jeremy Pruitt will be hard-pressed to ever coach at the college level again. Getting some good stuff here. At John D. Bryce, one on Twitter. John Bryce from Football Scoop. Well, just to add that, just to close it up, uh, John, uh, do you think uh, it will be a settlement at some point and after all this you know, bickering back and forth, whether it's through the court system or not? Because typically that's how this ends. Um, you know, again, I, I thought there would be – uh, a settlement, it, it's been discussed. It's moved toward that point. I don't know what that settlement is. It's not going to be anywhere near $12 million that he was owed per the terms of his contract or 12.1. I doubt it would even be $6 million. I don't, I don't know what the key number is, but I do think um, as Tennessee tries to move forward that it probably makes a lot of sense to try and settle and compartmentalize this thing and move forward because I continue to be incredibly impressed with what Josh Heupel is doing. This is a program that is, that is two, bowl, two wins away from bowl eligibility, 
and it still has Vanderbilt and South Alabama on the schedule. So you have to believe it can get those wins among other opportunities. So I think it's in Tennessee's best interest to find a way to get this resolved without it moving forward because, again, literally on a phone call today, uh, and I've talked with multiple people from the 2020 coaching staff, there's still, for as many names as, that have been tossed out there, there are more names that could be tossed out there. And um, there are dates and, and any number of other things that they say would come to light if this thing moves forward into an official judicial process. Well, I guess uh, on to the next category. And speaking of coaches who are no longer be with their uh, <laughs> their university, at least after this season, is uh, Coach O, do you think that was an appropriate thing to do? And then, by the way, who do you think is on the list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, as it pertains to Coach O, I'm surprised only a little bit by the timing, and I'm surprised either that it wasn't a week before or that it wasn't until later in the season. But I also uh, give LSU credit because I do think it makes sense to have announced it after a big win um, when everybody sees that the move is not being made emotionally one way or the other. And I think in the past um, we've seen the emotions influence some of LSU's coaching decisions. And so, look, this was coming. I'll tell you right now, I was um, at at a conference for, for the sports industry in May and people were asking me about um, what jobs I thought might come open in the SEC. And I, I said at that time, I'm not sure we'll have an SEC opening this year. Right now what I'm looking at, and people in college football are a lot smarter than me, about a half a dozen of them said, Bryce, <laughs> are you forgetting about LSU? And, and none of these people were LSU employees. So I tell you that story to let you know people in the industry felt like this was coming sooner than later. Um, and, and with USC having already announced its move to to fire play Helton earlier in the year, it makes sense for LSU to be proactive and to do so now. Um, the program just has had way too much turnover since that national championship season. I've, I've lost track of how many assistant coaches have come and gone since 2019, but I know for a fact it's double digits. They've got around eight new coaches on staff just this season alone. Well, which job do you think is a better job, USC or LSU? You know, that's, um, that's a question I've been asked a lot. I, I contend wholeheartedly that they're both top ten jobs in the country, maybe top five jobs in the country. I think that USC is an easier job. I think that LSU is a higher-profile job because um, LSU football means more in the state of Louisiana than anything. I would contend LSU football is bigger in Louisiana than New Orleans Saints football. Um, I think it's just different, and it pays more. It pays it pays more at LSU than it pays at USC, and it's a heck of a lot cheaper to live in Louisiana than it is to live in California. So USC is a great job, and in my opinion, an easier job. LSU is a more high-profile job in a uh, league that tends to pay a little bit more and gains a little bit more notoriety. Mm. We're on with John Bryce with Football Scoop. I have a couple more questions, Vol-related, and that is after, you know, the fans, or what, who, select fans, whoever they were, that threw, you know, uh, you know, ketchup, you know, mustard, water bottles, whatever, golf balls, whatever, what do you think universities and, and conferences can do to kind of prevent something like this from happening again? Yeah, that's that's obviously something that needs to be addressed. I'm not sure what happened Saturday night at, at Neyland Stadium, frankly, was more dangerous than when fans stormed the field. Yeah, uh-huh. I think it was a vastly uglier scene because fans storming the field um, is something done in jubilation, but I think that that's a more dangerous scene 
for everyone involved than, than throwing primarily empty or half empty water bottles and mustard bottles and um you know things of that nature now the golf ball was ridiculous and and completely dangerous and what i've said is what if at the time that golf ball was thrown it strikes a cheerleader who's on top of a pyramid doing a stunt or it strikes the person holding a cheerleader then i would have uh really really significant health and safety concerns as far as that goes but but clearly there's got to be real penalties and um, a $250,000 fine. I said it was a, a hammering of Tennessee only from a standpoint of the fine levels that the SEC uses. And, and they start at 50000 go to 100000 and then escalate to 250000 So they hit Tennessee with the max $250,000 fine. We all know that that's chump change in, in the grand scheme of things for just about every single SEC football program. But I, I think there needs to be real penalties. I don't agree with um, these people claiming they should have to play in an empty stadium or anything like that. I don't, I don't know the answer. It needs to be addressed. I will say this. The other thing that could alleviate a lot of those concerns, in my opinion, would be better officiating and better transparency and yeah. accountability yeah. for your officials. Oh, yeah. No question about it. They were definitely pissed off, and I think everybody watching this saw the you know, the, the mistakes the referees uh, made it in the game. Now, the last question for me, and it has to be related to a poll question that we're going to have here after we hang up from you, but we're going to let you tell us what direction maybe we should be going, and that is who does the UT fan base, former football coach, despise the most? Is it Kiffin, Dooley, Butch, or Pruitt? Oh, wow. That's a, so that's let's a, start this party right now. You let us know what you think, John. I, I, I honestly, when you began that question, assumed it was going to be who, who is your favorite guest, and I naturally <laughs> was prepared to vote for myself. Sure, um, sure. But I think, <laughs> you are. I think my, my gut reaction would probably be I still think there's more visceral uh, disgust as it pertains to Butch Jones um, from a lot of the Tennessee fan base. For as many Tennessee fans that were mad at Kiffin, there were a lot of them that were mad at Kiffin Saturday night because he wasn't their date, because he was there with the Ole Miss queen instead of the, the UT queen, so to speak. And so, um, and, I, and I know I have a lot of friends and season ticket holders who had said all last week, gosh, I wish he was our coach and things like that. So <laughs> I don't think it's him. I don't think it's Dooley. I think it would probably be – I'd be surprised if um, Pruitt and Butch aren't the top two vote-getters in your poll. And then just quickly, the last question you asked me to tie it up a little bit further on officiating. Look, we expect the coaches, and they're paid a heck of a lot of money, so they should be held accountable. But the student-athletes aren't paid money, and yet they face the music after every game, win or lose. It may not be all of them. It may just be a handful. But I think when we have the student-athletes facing the music – whether it's an official talking to a pool reporter or whether it's Monday, Greg Sankey and the SEC releasing their officiating crew grades for the weekend. I think that we, with, with the money involved, with the investment involved on both a physical, fiscal, and emotional level, we deserve a little bit better transparency. Completely agree with that. They need to answer the questions, especially when they make a bad call. We're on with John Bryce with Football School. Hey, this Nick Rolovich thing has been just a fantastic study, especially for the times that we're living in, that ultimately it got down to COVID and non-vaccination. And, and, and from what I can tell, Bryce, him essentially being escorted out of the building 
just kind of give me your thoughts on this and, and what do you think it actually winds up? Because that's another thing we're hearing, what might the settlement be? Yeah, and um, I would expect that Nick Rolovich probably has an easier path to a significant financial settlement than Jeremy Pruitt does. And I would expect that to be a seven-figure settlement um, because it's just a bad scene for everybody. And, um, you know, I got vaccinated as soon as I could. This past spring in April, I left a Notre Dame baseball game mid-inning because I got the call from the health department that I could be vaccinated. Um, so I believe in it. But I also understand those people who don't for, for various reasons, and certainly a religious one, is which is what Nick Rolovich uh, was leaning on. I, I wish he would have explained himself maybe a little bit better. But then the flip side of that is we're not entitled to his explanation, and his players very clearly had his back. His players went out of their way last week to say, hey, it's you media guys that are trying to drag down our coach. We love our coach. And I thought that was – I thought that was really significant. And so um, I expect Nick Rolovich to get a settlement. I think it's, it's bad for everybody involved. It, it's one of those stories that you wish wasn't even a story that it had been avoided one way or the other. Um, but I think it's also very much an indicator of, of where things are and, and how kind of frenetic things are in society at large right now. Hey, you know me, Bryce. I'm a flag bearer for the Sun Belt and, you know, for, for my conference that my team plays in. That's a conference that's been a laughing stock to a lot of people for a long time, and a lot of people kind of had it dead and buried. And uh, not only is it not dead, it's very much alive and well, and not only is that the case, looks like it's about to add some members. It seems like Conference USA could be in some trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I would not be at all surprised by that. I think the – that uh, your league has shown exactly uh, a good a good footprint, a good method for success, and understanding its role. And um, you've seen salaries in that league stay more commensurate with what they need to be. Mm-hmm. You've seen more fiscal responsibility, in my opinion, in that league than what we see in a lot of the larger leagues. And you've seen a great product, which can't be overstated. You've seen a great product on the field, which makes that league um, attractive and and makes the members of that league very attractive and has seen their profiles enhanced. So um, we're not done with shaking things up with college realignment. I do believe that the UAB is a very, very attractive program sitting out there. And I know they've got some things in the works and they're talking about um, different conferences and things that they could do. But uh, I just wrote a huge feature on them uh, and that program a couple of weeks ago for football scoop, a new 205, $210 million downtown football stadium. Um, the, the medical community of Birmingham, I knew about, I didn't know as in depth and, until I dove into that. Um, plus it's, it's obviously college football hotbed because of Auburn and Alabama, but they've made inroads for their own program and tried to embrace Auburn and Alabama along the way, which means Birmingham is the number one market for college football viewing, I think now 14 years in a row, according to ESPN and other metrics. So um, we're not done seeing realignment. I still don't think we're done seeing how it's going to impact the playoff and whether we get to a 12-team playoff or whether it's eight teams. There's still a lot of mix on that, but it's very much um, ongoing seismic shifts in college athletics. There is, uh, and we always love talking about it with John Bryce from Football Scoop, who's on with us now. Yeah, lastly, man, it just seems like, uh, you know, throw it up in the air and figure out who's going to land at the Heisman Trophy. So give us the top three, five candidates right now. We saw Matt Corral, you know, he put a heck of a performance on 
against Tennessee without his top two receivers running the football. But I don't know if you would have him in your top top three. Uh, let us know who you think is in the top three or five. Yeah, I think uh, Bryce Young, as, as long as uh, Alabama keeps winning, will be right there at the end of the year. His numbers are impossible to ignore. If Matt Corral and, and Ole Miss can win out, and they've still got some very tough games on the If they can win out after that gritty performance that he had on national TV Saturday night, carrying the ball 30 times for nearly 200 yards, I would expect Matt Corral to be a finalist. And then I'll be honest with you, I think the best player I maybe have seen this year um, – who could get Heisman contention would be the Texas running back, uh, Bajon Robinson. And he is really, really, really good. And if Texas had won one of these past two games instead of blowing giant leads, I think we'd be here more, be hearing more about him. But those would be my three, the Texas running back uh, and then the two quarterbacks. And I really, really like that Texas running back. Man, he is, he is fun to watch, and he's really, really good. Bryce, always fun talking to you, man. At John D. Bryce, one, people can follow you there. Of course, anywhere they want to uh, follow Football Scoop as well, you and that staff do a just an incredible job keeping people up to date on college football from top to bottom and everything else, man. We appreciate the time. Hey, appreciate you. Always glad to uh, have a phone date with you, boys. Yes, sir. John Bryce. All right, the hitman has the question. We're about to put this out on Blaine and Mickey. This is for all you Tennessee fans. In light of the fact that you're being sued by one of these gentlemen right now, and inside that lawsuit is named another one of these gentlemen, Dooley, Kiffin, Jones, Pruitt. Which one of these coaches do you, what's the word? Despise Despise the most. most. Phone lines are open, 615-737-1045. It's Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, one hundred four five. The zone. Thinking about Lucas with this song. He said, "I, I like the beat and everything, but uh, the, the lyrics were not played there." But classic, uh, it is classic. Yeah, yeah. He just randomly picked that, and, and he wasn't even in there, so I don't know how that that music came on. <laughs> you guys, you guys played the Steelers in Memphis. I was at that game. The Oilers-Steelers game. Tennessee Oilers. Tennessee Oilers. It was raining, wasn't it? Was it, it or no? No, maybe for a while because they handed out yellow ponchos, remember? Yeah, that's and what it, I remember. And it became a – I felt like it was, a, it was a home game for the Steelers. But I think the white, maybe the Whitehaven High School marching band played the halftime, and they did – I didn't know that. I know. You were, you were, you were lining up second-half <laughs> game plans. And I, you, you always make fun of me because I start looking inside my brain. You always say, you should see his eyes right now. Yeah, I'm looking inside my brain again. Uh-huh. I want to say they played Give It To Me Baby by Rick James. Oh, and it was just stellar. It was I mean, high. it was incredible. Uh, all those Steelers fans were jumping Ooh. up and down. All the Steelers <laughs> fans had never had a more uh, fun day. The Steelers <laughs> fans with yellow ponchos on because they sold yellow ponchos. <laughs> At the game. <laughs> we're like, what man? Where did all these Steelers fans come from? We're looking around like, what the heck? That was the one where Bruce Matthews said we had to score early and take the crowd out of it. Bro, that, was, that was a conversation in the locker room. Did you see all those Steelers fans out there? I mean, you know, that was early on. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were fans of other teams. Oh, you know, head until, you know, Tennessee. 
Thaiza was formed, so uh, I get it. But, boy, when they gave out those selling those yellow ponchos, it looked like it was all Steeler fans. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's that's when I just got to start getting pissed off. <laughs> I'm, I'm dizzy. We're, we're going to earn your respect, fans. Um, <laughs> we got some people on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. So here's the question. Jeremy Pruitt is suing the University of Tennessee trying to get some money. And some of you might say, look, I – yeah, I get it. I get it. He left with nothing. He was owed, what, $12.5 million or so. I get it. But he named a bunch of other people, including Rick Barnes. It was like, oh, you, wait till you see what Rick Barnes did. His attorney sent a letter, named a booster and uh, AAU basketball coach and Dondi Plowman and Rick Barnes and all kinds of people and said, if we don't settle by X date, then all this bad information is coming out. Yeah, well, that's an implied threat, no question about it. And that is because... He obviously has some inside information, whether it be emails or they were all sitting there and he knows some conversations that they don't want to go public will force you then to settle. So he's saying, you mess with me, I mess with you. So, you know, so that's kind of where this goes. And because most coaches are going to get a settlement out of this, he's going to win regardless. Now, he may not win on getting the full amount. Uh, as I understand it, this is the same attorney who had the Kansas Coach, coach who got two and a half of his three and a half million dollar contract that was left for his buyout. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming he'll at least get half. Uh, maybe they're fighting over a couple million dollars. Just guessing. Have no idea. No inside information on that. But that's what it tells me. Uh, and they don't want their dirty laundry out there to the public for everybody can view, regardless if he was right or wrong and take ownership. Well, he 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 has no choice but to take ownership. But that's why all these coaches are getting pretty much free money. They they. Coach O is getting free money to coach the rest of the year, and then you can leave. Right. Yeah. So, so how much do you think he's going to be all in the rest of this season? Really? Come <laughs> on now. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just the way of the world of, of college coaching. You can be pissed off at him all you want to, but everybody else is getting their buyouts, so he's looking like, well, I'm going to at least get the majority of mine. Yeah. Um, let's get a couple of these phone calls. Let's get Tony. Let's get Corey. Tony was up first, though. Tony, what's going on, man? Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you doing today? Mickey Blaine? Doing well, buddy. So, um, you didn't even have to put a list together for me to say that Jeremy Pruitt is by far the most despised coach in my mind in uh, UT football history. And that's a good list of guys that I don't like very much. But (laughs) here's the thing with Pruitt, man. Uh, the guy cheats and gets three wins in his last season. He had in 2018 or 19, it was, he had like the number 13 or 14 class of recruits and only could win five games. Uh, we lost to Kentucky for the first time in 36 years. And I'll tell you that, you know what the worst thing to me is about Jeremy Pruitt? He has the most boring press conferences, <laughs> pregame, after game, whatever. Because you ask him a question, say, well, coach, how do you, how do you guys think that you're, uh, that's your matchup this week. Well, you know, we uh, we've done some things, and and uh, I just hate his voice. I hate. I, 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 I thought that was brilliant. Damn it! You almost fooled me there. And yeah, you know, yeah, we uh, we made a couple of adjustments, and uh, we 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 feel good about the uh, the upcoming opportunities. And then you get and then you get beat by Kentucky. So look here, Pruitt. On top of that, man. We gave you an opportunity to come over here and change Rocky Top from Alabama. You can go over there and sit as a senior defensive assistant in New York with the Giants and stay there, buddy. Keep your mouth closed, man. We, you ain't got nothing on us. I love y'all. Talk to you soon. 
Appreciate you. Ooh. Man, all right. Uh, Venom for Pruitt. Let's do this real quick. Uh, Corey in Hendersonville. All right, Kiffin, Dooley, Jones, Pruitt, where do you stand? Um, well, actually, I don't have a dog in the fight because I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan, so I really don't care. Um, my question <laughs> was actually regarding the uh, what you were talking about just a second ago with the Oilers uh, playing in Tennessee, and I wanted to ask your uh, opinion on something. Obviously, we know that you know there's been several times where teams have changed cities and they haven't changed names. Like, you know, the Raiders went from, you know, Oakland to Vegas and they kept their name. What was behind Bud Adams deciding to change the name from the Oilers to the Titans? Corey appreciates the phone call. Well, I, you know, I don't really know the answer, but I can give you a guess on what I think they were thinking. I think they were thinking when you moved here, let's give it the Tennessee Oilers so it could still have the name brand. And then they realized that the fan base wanted to say that this was their team. So they changed it without forgetting the history to the Tennessee Titans. I think they did a, you know, a, I don't want to say a, a poll, but to see what names that they uh, would come up with from the fan bases and uh, from the fan base. And, and uh, the Titans uh, was the winner. So I think that's how it all came about, uh, if I wanted to recall. Uh, but I, I firmly believe uh, the late great Mr. Adams – you know, he was oiler to heart and, you know, something that he, you know, started from the beginning and really wanted to carry the name, but he wanted to do what was right for the city as well when he moved here mm-hmm. and found out that, you know, having the Tennessee Oilers and not being part of the, the new Tennessee Titans and having their own brand uh, without forgetting the Oilers history was uh, probably number one for him after he had got here and moved here. I can't wait to see these throwbacks, though. I'm not going to lie, you know, me in uniforms. I'm I'm very excited to see them once this – it can happen starting next year. I don't know if they'll do it next year because it, it takes a while for the NFL to okay anything new. So you're talking about throwback Oilers. When they wear the Oilers. Because, the reason why I say that because remember now there are new Even Titans your uniform is a throwback now. Yeah, but, yeah the Titans uh, – yeah, so I, I could be part of both throwbacks, Oilers yeah. and Titans. You are a double throwback. Yeah, I'm a double throwback. <laughs> I'm, hey, man. I'm sure and, there's a handful of us, right? And here's the thing. they can, there's We figured this out. Yeah, there's not many who, who were an Oiler and a, a Tennessee Titan. I mean, there's – you, Bruce Matthews, Eddie, like everybody who all of you old school fans love the most, yeah. they were all Oilers and Titans, just about all of them. Yeah, Even right. Dr. Smooth Kevin Dyson for one year. Yes. All right, hour number two coming up. Uh, look around the NFL with Jordan Dejani coming up in about 25 minutes or so. Headlines next, though. This is Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.